2: My mate, bottle
0: toaster. Hello, welcome along this week. I am so excited uh, to welcome a man who very much he wrote his own invitation to be on this podcast. A fabulous, fabulous uh, writer and columnist. It's the brilliant Tim Dowling. Hello, Tim. Welcome Hello. to my mate, bottle toaster. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. And this is your own fault yeah. because you did in your you did a column where you talked about how much Amazon you've been doing during lockdown and. I read it. Three members of my fa- three separate members of my family messaged me saying, uh, "The brilliant Tim Dowling has been uh, doing loads of shopping on Amazon. You need to get him on your podcast." <laughs> it's going to turn out that I bought four things or something. Yeah, yeah we'll, <laughs> we'll discover that. We'll discover that. But um, it's worth saying, uh, Tim. I mean, the thing I do is I dive right back into the beginning of your Amazon journey. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This isn't going to be nice. Um, and I am. Um, Thrilled, absolutely thrilled that only I think this is only the second or third time this has happened on the 40 plus episodes of this podcast. We've gone back to the 90s.
1: Oh, oh, yeah, that's perfectly possible. Um, a very early adoption. I could maybe I'm just the oldest person you've ever had on your show.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know about that,
1: but you uh, you were
0: on to the Amazon thing in the 90s, which is which is great news for me. Um, because we can see uh what you've been buying oh look at this so straight away uh 28th of january 1999 i mean what were you doing
1: that uh 28th of january 1999 (laughs) uh uh i have no idea uh one of my children would have just turned one
0: and the other one the
1: third of the three wasn't born yet right okay so probably changing two kids in
0: well, that's right. Well, yes. There, there are no nappies bought at this stage because Amazon is very much books oh, yeah, you and can that only sort of stuff. Books, right? So, it's really only books until about it, it, it kicks off later on. But uh, the first thing you ever bought, David Starry's, oh, which one?
1: Oh, Barrel that's Fever. The, I mean, that's the first one I ever read. I think.
0: Well, there, there you, you go, are. and there we're there, there now. We're, we're we're seeing it happen. I mean, David Sedaris, absolute genius, um, and and you know he's. Did he inspire he, you in terms of his, you know, his he, writing?
1: He, he was one of those awful things because that was, I mean, that was fully, you know, seven or eight years before I started writing a column for The Guardian. And um, and I just remember my wife laughing hysterically at it whenever she read it. And I thought, well, who's she reading? Who's funnier? Who she thinks is so, so funny. Um, but I, you know, I'm, I'm thinking I would have been so impressed by the miracle of Amazon, you know, just having that arrive on my doorstep whenever it was. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it's an incredible moment, isn't it? I remember exactly a friend of mine recommending that book to me and I knew nothing about it. Um, And it was very funny and and very odd because those first David Sedaris books were sort of a mishmash of um, sort of fiction and memoir, just little short chapters. And so I was like, who is this guy? And I think I suddenly realised, you know, I'd heard his voice at some point coming out of Radio 4 and not known who he was. And I've Mm. since gone Mm. to see him speak. And I'll tell you what, the thing that really, he's one of those people who I consider to be a sort of, I wouldn't say mentor, just someone I copy from uh, (laughs) when I have to do public speaking because he has this great way. He doesn't do any voices, you know. It's just his voice. And he he reads out dialogue that other people are saying, but he just doesn't bother with any kind of dramatic. And it's still good. Yeah. And it still yeah. works, doesn't it? I, I to, to dial back to an image you
0: just planted in my head, which won't leave, and I want to come back to talking about the brilliant David Sedaris, uh, and that is, and this is something that happens to me when I write uh, odds and sods, is my wife reading it, and, and then there's a laugh. When there's a laugh, you're like, what was that? Yeah. Which bit was that? Is this something you have? Is, does your wife regularly read your stuff? And if so, do you have the paranoia of pacing nearby? I
1: don't. I don't. She reads... What I write when it comes out, and I, I hopefully I'm still asleep in bed, or I've left the room. <laughs> Depends on who gets up first. But sometimes, right. you know, it used to be she, I remember the first, because I took over the page from John Ronson in 2007. I do remember mm-hmm. her kind of, and that was back when we used to get the papers delivered every morning. And uh, mm-hmm. I remember her sitting up in bed and just sighing and saying, God, I miss John Ronson. <laughs> and she's, she it sounds was, like was, a was, keeper she, <laughs> she sounds great <clears throat> but yeah she does um she does read what i write and uh she doesn't read it until sort of day of publication so it can be quite hairy mm.
0: yeah, yeah 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 this is the problem this is the problem with uh loved ones who are honest this is why. this is why we need uh you know other halves who just main, maintain some sort of illusion it's much easier it's much easier um david Sedaris, though uh, absolutely brilliant you were you also uh gone for him again in february so january you bought david sadaris in, in february you've gone naked i've, I've become by david i've gone Sedaris. from
1: sort of having no idea who he, who he was to stalker in the space of
0: that's it yeah yeah yeah, days. yeah. um and you bought The Brilliant House of Sleep by Jonathan Coe, mm-hmm. Fabulous book. Very, Very nice. Good. Very good. Um, and then we can tell there are kids involved here. Look, the um, we've got An Atlas of Countries by Donald Grant of February 1999.
1: That is me just hot housing my oldest child. Yeah. I've never seen has that book again. I mean, it works No, I imagine he hid that somewhere. Yeah, I mean, he's, yeah. It, but it's like creating a Frankenstein. Don't do it. You don't want yes, to someone is- to grow up to be that yeah. much smarter than you. This is the danger, isn't it? You
0: you don't want a smart argument. I can't win this an argument against him. Oh, don't, don't! You see, I can't really win an argument against myself. <laughs> and and along along, my kids have come, and finally, I've I've had this authority. But my eldest one is now eight, and he's starting to better me. And ah, oh, I, I don't know, I don't know where I go from here,
1: really. No, there's no place to go but Dan, I promise you. <laughs> then they can start beating you, or sort of games of skill and chance and then it's, oh, it's just, just ridiculous. I mean they were better at me better at football than I was when they were sort of eight and nine because I did not grow up with the sport I well thank you
0: I've got exactly the same problem my eldest is is a self-styled hotshot at football and he can do he can do keepy uppies into into double figures
1: oh see I can't. I don't Ugh. I can't do I can barely do one
0: well there you go but you've got the excuse because now did you grow up in America I grew up in America yeah well, there we go—the soccer thing. Surely that that wasn't such a thing. It wasn't. It, so. Well, it is now,
1: weirdly, but it wasn't then. I mean, I don't think I played a game of it until I was in sixth grade, and it was just a okay, okay, gym class.
0: So, uh, when did you come over? What inspired you to? and
1: Why the hell did you come here?
0: <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't have maybe phrased it quite like that. <laughs>
1: uh, I came over in 1990 for the first time, uh, okay. having met my wife in New York City. I followed her back over. I see. Um, I see. She told me to go back a couple of times. a <laughs> on. And and when we find you here in
0: 1999 and 2000, you are not. Uh, are you writing at all at this point, or is this is this pre-journalism thing? It's just
1: thing? starting. I mean, you've, what you've missed out is the most momentous decade of my life, where you know I was d- had a dead end job in New York, and then suddenly I had three kids and. Um, <laughs> And a job and I was living in a foreign country and I was just, you know, talk about how did I get here? Um, yeah. I was, yeah. I think the first article I ever wrote for a publication in the popular press was for GQ magazine in like the end of 1995 or 96. Mm. Uh, and they had a section at the back. Some of this, they just called me out of the blue and said, would you, you know, like to write an article for us? And I thought, you know, it's kind of phone conversation you always imagine happening. But you think, yeah. I should, surely it should have been me that picked up the phone. They can't, you know, they can't know about, you know, it can't be that my reputation in data entry has preceded me this far. <laughs> and uh, But how did they find you then? Well, how, this is the thing I what? didn't know. So I just said, oh, yeah, sure, that sounds great. Um, yeah. uh, and I'd written a few things for like trade magazines on and off, just kind of subbing for people and stuff and doing a bit of editing. But nothing right. big and nothing in a while. And uh, they said, we have a column at the back called Man Enough, and it's a different person every month, and we'd like you to write one. How do you feel about that? And I said, sure. <laughs> and, and it became clear that the, the Man Enough column was, they'd come up with a bunch of, you know, Man Enough to do this, Man Enough to do that. And then and this one was called Man Enough to Live Off Your Girlfriend. And okay. the, the, once they'd got a big list, they went in search of people who fit the bill. And obviously someone at some editorial meeting somewhere said, I know a dude just like that. So they put, there was a, I remember they, it was the first thing I ever wrote for them. And on the cover, when it came out, it said, Rent Boy, How to Live Off Your Girlfriend. (laughs) It's like, I can't send my mother an article about how I'm a pimp in London. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> how's it going over there darling well, well read this uh, That's quite a dream scenario what was that phone call like and how did you play it cool with the phone call were you like me? Mm, you know, so i cond- played it
1: i played it slightly too cool because i was so confused i didn't yeah. you know i thought you know for fully halfway through i was convinced they'd rung up the wrong person <laughs> but i could still somehow land this gig yeah it'd be too late you know but uh it was a friend of a friend uh she's a friend of mine now she she works at the telegraph um uh, and it started a, quite a long relationship with GQ. Right. Um, mm. I wrote for them for sort of three or four years after okay. that.
0: And did you always want to be a writer? Was that always the idea? Or was data entry really your passion? <laughs>
1: <laughs> data entry was... I sort of mastered data entry by then, I felt. Mm. Um, I When I was very young, I wanted to be a cartoonist. Aha. Uh-huh. Uh, and I was obsessed with... I, I loved, like, New Yorker cartoons. Yeah. And I actually did it for a job for a while, uh, sort of in around that time, around nineteen ninety nine, but I couldn't make it pay. No. Um and it has you it's a very as far as being, you know, bad at something, I thought being a failed journalist was better than being a failed cartoonist because the overheads are lower. Yeah. <laughs> but you, you know, have- I kept having to buy paper and then yeah. and stuff like that and ink. Ink and is expensive. And then not being able to sell anything was ridiculous so are you not tempted now when you've got your
0: you know i'm gonna put this out there it's a pretty iconic column that you've got in the guardian and people love it are you not tempted now to to you know scribble a little cartoon alongside it is that something you would think about doing Um, or is that gone
1: not for a long time i had a a, a brilliant illustrator called benoit jacques who who uh, you know would sort of end the idea that i would ever do it from time to time people found it because i used to actually have a little portfolio over the course of my career, people would find out that I'd done them and they would say, oh, send them in. And then I would send them in and they would quietly send them back and that would be the end of that. <laughs> uh, I do scribble all the time. I mean, my sort of desk blotter is covered in little scribbles. Yeah. But I haven't, uh, it's something, I think that something about writing, especially writing that column, has kind of scratched that itch and I've sort of stopped doing it mm. as compulsively as I used to. I used to draw really compulsively
0: right right okay okay so uh cartoonist data entry and then we see in 2001 you've and you've and you've you've done it you're not the first on this podcast to do this you've bought uh, your own produce on amazon congratulations <laughs> I did. well done I, I, you've got two copies of inventor of the disposable culture kim uh king camp gillette 1855 to 1932 oh, okay. tell us I
1: about you this meant, book. you know i thought you meant fresh veg. No, no, no.
0: Well, you know, in, in how one pioneering. sense. The um the produce that you are organically growing is is writing and uh, and you've done it again in April as well. <laughs> April <2001. laughs> well, two thousand one two coffees. Th- they're really cheap.
1: Um, I think you've probably had previous guests who tell you that when, that when you got a book coming out, you just want to make sure that that whole Amazon system is up and running. Sure. And yes. the easiest way to do that is just to fire one through the system and make sure it comes to your house. Like if you're not getting any emails, send yourself an email. Yeah. That's, yes, exactly. That's exactly. exactly. And the then send yourself thing. another one to make sure it's still working. <laughs> and then why not check to see what happens if buying one? How does that affect the Amazon ranking if you just buy one? Anything. <laughs> That's pretty good. Oh okay. Might buy some more.
0: What else have we got here in two thousand and one? Good times, explicit lyrics uh, by Afro Man. Isn't that the guy who did? Then I got high. Um, be, because yeah, because I got yeah. high. Yeah. Yeah. Or as it says on the front, as it says on the front of this album, featuring the hot joint because I got high. Uh, also includes she won't let me, <clears throat> tall cans, Mississippi tumbleweed, ideas for future columns yeah. here, Tim.
1: Let's all get I'm drunk. Slightly sensitive that I brought that for my children. <laughs> To what? play in the car, it's, it's this the sort of excuse, thing we used to, parental we used to advisory. all walk around the house going. Then I got high, and and I yeah, thought I'll yeah. buy it for the car. It'll be fun on long car journeys. But the, but the lyrics are tremendously explicit. I think it. I mean, yes, they they were problematic yeah. then. So I mean, I don't think I played it more than once in the car, and even then, not all the way through.
0: <laughs> Is there anything better though than when you find a song or a moment or a thing, and you're all in, all you and the kids? You're in the car together, going off on a holiday or something, all singing along. It's a proper sort of, I don't know, It's just it, it always strikes me as a genuine happy yeah, moment. they're
1: happens. very hard to find, those songs. I remember one, we had one that we used to call The Cool Fun Tape. And yes. it was something that we I bought at a clothing shop in America and it was basically sort of 50s and 60s doo-wop hits and old, yeah. and like Danny and the Juniors playing Do You Want to Dance and stuff like that. Brilliant for that sort of thing. And we played it until it wore out. And then I tried to make a tape, a mixtape, which I called the cool fun tape with a tremendous amount of arrogance on my part, <laughs> which I was the only person who thought it was either cool or fun. Oh, I know. Uh, but
0: but isn't it nice when, when, you, when you're dad and you decide what's cool and fun and then they get to an age where that is the exact opposite of works. what's cool and fun? Yeah, yeah. You still have that moment.
1: We used to always make the mistake of only going on. Well, it turned out not to be a mistake, but we'd, we'd sort of search ourselves in our luggage the second we got somewhere. And realized that we'd only brought one CD for the whole holiday between us, so we just listened to that <laughs> yeah. the whole time. And it either you, you it would become this kind of favorite where everyone in the car knew all the words to every song. Yeah, and uh, that's quite good. I mean, it, maybe the year that it was scouting for girls wasn't so good. Yeah, but, <laughs> Oh, come on, scouting for I girls. I they was a, I was a terrible con. I mean, you can't. It's very hard when you come back to London. You go, hey, you know this new group, scouting for girls is. <laughs> Pretty cutting edge. Yeah, guys, guys, who's with me? Uh, guys? <laughs> Anyone? <laughs> Anyone? One year was the Felice Brothers, I remember. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, that was very good. And then They Might Be Giants. One of my favourite bands of all time. Yeah, fantastic.
0: Flood, Flood is, and again, something I've talked about at length on this podcast before. Uh, Flood is is just the finest album I've ever made. Sorry, it's better than Sgt. Pepper's. I'm just going to play <laughs>
1: Flood is the last uh, record I bought as an actual LP before oh. the whole system Disintegrated. I, I brought it to London with me yeah. and there was nothing to play it on anywhere.
0: Yeah. It's a brand new record for 1990. Yes. Yeah. Oh,
1: let's not dwell on how long ago that is.
0: It's so, it's also, it really, it always strikes me about that album that my brother, my brilliant brother, bought that for me for my 10th birthday, right? And Did he? he? And it set me up and I was, and that got me into music and it made me an indie kid and it, it just, it, it got me up and running. And it was my 40th the other day and he bought me a yoga mat. Uh, and I just, <laughs> uh, again, I see the arc. I see the
1: journey. He's, he's ahead of you every step of the yeah, way. I do feel foresight. that. foresight.
0: In every sense he is. Uh, did, did you ever, have you ever seen They Might Be Giants live?
1: Yes. Uh, 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 and I went to the, I, I've seen them twice. And the second time I saw them, I think it was both times at the Shepherd's Wish Empire. And the second okay. time I saw them, I went to the, I got invited to the after party. By someone who As knew their what? manager, and I was—I think I was too nervous to say anything but hello to either of them. I talked to their manager yeah. for a long time about lead yeah. paint or something. He was obsessed <laughs> with the lead, and the lead in hang petrol.
0: What? Well, hang on. Now I'm, that's a massive tangent. The lead in petrol that was—wasn't it originally put there? Yeah. So when they un when they unleaded it, they were only ever De- correcting yeah, a thing they artificially yeah, put in. although
1: I think you pay more for that somehow. I think just to charge you more, they put it back in and then take it out. It's to, it was to stop what they called engine knocking. That's it. Uh, That's and it. you could buy like super leaded.
0: And I'm just I'm just imagining this chat. You, they might be giants inches away his,
1: from you. Yeah. one of my favorite was, bands. I couldn't you're get past about this, this guy and his conversation about lead. He basically was saying that taking lead out of petrol in the United States. And taking lead out of the paint that they used to paint walls, had, was responsible for the precipitous drop in crime yes. across the United States throughout the 1990s. Yes. Because people had, <laughs> people who had <laughs> reached criminal age by 1990 had not been driven mm. mad by eating so much lead. By lead. Now, I have to ask, was this him telling you this or were no, you this telling this is him? No, this him telling me this.
0: Oh my God! I mean, you must have just been standing there going, "It's John and John from there." I know Phil Jupiter was there as
1: well. I could have met a lot of people. Oh, I love Phil Jupiter! God,
0: sounds that's that's the worst night of my (laughs) life. Sort of conversational bouncer keeping you out of the (laughs) VIP section. Nightmare. all right, Tim. Let's skip on ahead now. Here's a good one: October two thousand and three. Yes. Um, understanding chord progressions for guitar and a hundred tips for blues guitar. Am I? Is that? A, is that a? It's not a midlife crisis, is it? Because you, you, you're a musician, uh, right?
1: I'm not. I'm, I mean, I'm not a musician. Per, I'm not a musician in that sense. I mean, basically, all my Amazon purchases would could be boiled down into uh, legitimate tax expense, legitimate business expenses, and everything mm-hmm. else. Mm-hmm. And none of the music stuff counts as a legitimate business expense yet. <laughs> no, um, I see. and I also I see. so the music still I remember to come. Being very disappointed with the, both those books, I'm um, thinking these are not these aren't helping me at all. At that time, I did play the guitar in a very desultory fashion, like most people. Right,
0: right, but that's now become a slightly more serious. Part yes, of your that life had yet now. to Does happen
1: then. Um, okay, but right. but it had, it did. Okay. We'll get to, we'll get to it. We'll okay, get to I'll that. save it, we'll it then. <laughs> to,
0: save that. Save that. Save that gold. Um, I mean, we could talk about all sorts in 2004. Maybe the Nikon use 6 USB cable. Well, that was for the 2100. A classic cable of the cables. Cable, yeah. so.
1: But just <laughs> cable is one of those cabling is one of those things that I was so relieved not to have to go out and get. I mean, I remember driving round and around with an infant in the car, looking for a specific sort of printer cable that you could only get at yeah. the PC World out on the A5. <laughs> and uh, I don't, it's oh. one of those places, like, sort of lost place. Every time you took the exit, it would just kind of spit you out somewhere else and you would ne- mm. you could never access the actual PC World car park.
0: I don't, are you a road
1: rager in that situation? I, don't, I, I was at yeah. that time, yeah. But, I mean, it was more I was angry with myself,
0: ultimately. Well, I mean, listen, let's get, let's not get too profound, but isn't all <laughs> road rage just self-anger? <laughs> yeah.
1: Really? When it but I find it. if you have an infant in the back seat... <gasps> then technically you're not talking to yourself. <laughs> no. So you know, you're know you thinking, look at him, <laughs> this idiot. So so now your kids are older, you just need to find an infant to drive around yeah. with. <laughs> You'll feel fine. <laughs> just, just you know, three times a week, yeah. just to wait, and back. <laughs> please. please, I need someone to listen. I
0: still love you,
2: baby, I don't want you the rest of my day. I walk, never say we're through.
1: Get yourself some gas and air, and breathe deeply. We're talking on the phone while he had his arm inside my vagina. In my head, I was saying, "Could you go and see if the anaesthetist is free?" And what I was actually saying out loud was, "Help me!" CD player doesn't work. <laughs> I was like, "I'm sorry, why am I fucking CD player? Where's my playlist?" That's one torn every minute with me, Beth Mori. Available now from Great Big Owl. Hit up quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com/upgrade.
0: There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Oh, I bought so many embarrassing things. Pink CDs and a toy but that's that what about this theory of poker? A professional poker player oh, teaches God. you how to think like what I... Do you know what? You have just done the poker yeah. list. <laughs> Is that oh, Slansky? There was Is a, it called Slansky? Yes, yeah. it's Slansky. And there's another one, Pe- Poker Texas Hold'em, a complete guide to playing the game. There was a real craze for poker around
1: this time, Those I both, by the way, are legitimate business expenses. Sure, um, sure, sure, sure. Of course. They, uh, I, I remember uh, one of the big off... Off online betting firms that when I say they're online but they're also offshore you know they're located in the oh, Isle of yeah. Man or somewhere um mm-hmm. paid for me to go to a big poker tournament in Dublin to write a feature for I think the Telegraph and oh, uh, I I said you know I really don't know how to play poker and I especially don't know how to play Texas Hold'em and this was a I believe it was a pot limit Texas Hold'em tournament so I now know what that right. means, but at the time I was I had no idea. And, yes. and I sort of what does that mean? Pot limit means that you can the, the most you can bet in any go is how much is in the pot at that moment.
0: Oh, There's I see. No okay. limit hold'em, right. where you can
1: just bet as much as you've got. Um, so it, start, okay. it starts. So this is a conservative yeah, sort of, slightly paper. more conservative. Right, although right. things build quickly, um, okay. and I don't, I don't hear people talk about pot limit hold'em anymore. Maybe I think it's all gone. No limit now. Mm. But that's I could be showing mm. my ignorance there. Um, okay, okay. But I remember distinctly you know, desperately reading, landing at the airport, still reading this book at the luggage carousel, and suddenly realizing that I'm surrounded by professional poker players from London who are picking up their luggage. And I'm reading a sort of, you know, grade one, chapter one of a sort of poker for <laughs> morons book in front of them all. And they're all going to see me. Well, that's good hustling. Yeah. That's good <laughs> hustling, it, maybe. That's the as ultimate it poker turns face. Out it wasn't. I lost, in the first, right. <laughs> I lost the first table after about 40 minutes of very yeah. uh, uh, conservative play. I bet. And I was suddenly out. How much did you lose? Well, I don't know. They, they, the stake. I mean, I think the stake would have cost something like £5,000. I don't know. I can't remember. A lot. Between two and £5,000. But the poker people were paying for me. So I lost. I didn't yes. lose any of my money. And technically, I don't think I lost any of their money. The poker people, they sound like well, good friends like, are, you,
0: are you still in touch with I the poker people? Yeah, they're good, they're, guys, guys, they're good guys Who
1: I'm still in touch with who, uh, who uh, it, was, it was sort of terrible Drowning our sorrows night afterwards That ended very shabbily And uh, uh, he was from the PR company That was there to sort of look after me And I still I mean nice. we both You know, re- recall it as a horrible Horrible evening <laughs> well, Also poker people are Pretty horrible I mean, I shouldn't. I mean, I've met some nicer ones, yes. but that sort of, especially people who kind of watch poker, you know, there's like a little stand there where you can sit and watch the match. What? Not big, what? but those sort of 16 chairs where people could just sit there and watch you play.
0: Wow. That's insane because obviously poker channels are huge where they do the same thing. They watch and they've got like cameras yeah. underneath the table. So well, this,
1: I think they do all that in a truck because this was in an actual casino. I mean, it's a miserable way to spend a summer day in Dublin. I hadn't, I don't think I'd ever been to Dublin before. Oh, and uh, yeah. you know, I had about an hour of walking around Dublin before I would have to go and sit in this casino all day long because I was riding oh. the feet. You know, I had to stay and, keep, and write about the match as a whole and yeah. interview a bunch of poker players.
0: Have you done many of? Have you done a lot of these sort of trips where you have to dive into a random world for a feature? Is that something very common for writers?
1: Yes. Well, I do it. I mean, I think at the beginning, I used to get a lot of those gigs precisely because I showed genuine fear and reluctance, <laughs> which is which is hard to fake. Ironically, your poker face wasn't good enough at the meeting. So. <laughs> I mean, the first—I remember the first sort of big one that I did for the Guardian was the, the uh, then editor of the features editor. Rang me up and he said there was a, at the time there was a BBC reality TV show called The Trench, which was about a bunch of people whose ancestors had been in World War One in the trenches, mm. and they'd built a trench somewhere in a field in France, and they were going to live in it for six weeks. Yeah, I remember. So yeah. he said, "What we want to do," and I, I'd listened to this whole while he explained the whole thing to me. So, so what we're going to do is come and dig a trench in your back garden, and you're going <laughs> to live in it for forty eight hours. <laughs> And I said, N- no. And I, he said, <laughs> I said, absolutely not. I'm not doing that. And then he said, as he always said, he said, I'll call you back in 10 minutes. And he just let that sort of 10 minutes of worry that, work on me. Is and that I, what he's doing? Because he, know- oh, yeah, he knows. Oh, God, that is brutal. So that, that was one of them. I once spent 24 hours in a glass box suspended above the Guardian car park because david oh, blaine was doing the same thing because of david Got in blaine. There just ahead of him yeah
0: hang on what did you do about wheeze and poos when you did that come on
1: what happened there uh, uh I well i was very cagey about it at the time in fact they wouldn't i was they wouldn't let me be in it at the same time that it was off the ground for health and safety reasons a lot of these things fall <laughs> apart yeah. when you when you realize the how much insurance david blaine must be paying for to be on a crane yeah so i was like on a pallet in this glass they built a perspect box that you could live in in 24 hours they were amazing at that sort of thing yes but they actually lobbed the screwdriver over the top cuz mine had no ceiling that was right. that would've cost too much so someone threw me a screwdriver so by climbing shimming up one corner i could reach down the outside and undo two screws and just slip through the crack right Right. Which I did to go to the loo at 2 o'clock in the morning once.
0: Uh, I see. Ah, now we know the truth. It wasn't 24 hours. (laughs) Um, You know, the the thing which I loved about David Blaine was when he was up there, someone uh, found a really good position. I think it was on Tower Bridge, maybe, where they could hit golf balls. Ah, here, and, and they actually, I think three of them actually struck in the middle of the night. David Blaine got woken they, up.
1: They sort of flew Big Max on helicopters around him, didn't they? On little model helicopters.
0: It was so strange. and, and I so interviewed so... him once, actually. He was quite a weird guy. No, you don't say. <laughs> How on earth? What? What's? Uh, where did you interview him? What context?
1: Uh, it must have been his his stunt after i mean it's probably two stunts after that cuz i i remember seeing him in new york when he was in the ice i just happened to be there doing something else right. and i would walk by him being in the ice every day on my way uh and then he i think he was underwater didn't he like oh yes live underwater for yeah and then at yeah. the end of that he tried to break the static apnea record i believe it was called mm. uh and i interviewed him as that was coming out uh, after just after he'd come out after he'd done it his fingers were all still peeling Oh gosh. And all the skin is peeling off his hands. I mean, Yeah. And what? I remember the photographer wanted to photograph him in the hotel bathroom. Right. Which he um, absolutely agreed to. Oh, that's <laughs> that's he not He laid down to- on his back underwater for minutes on end while the photographer straddled the tub and took vertical shots of him lying there.
0: What, the man who'd just been underwater was happy to go back in? That's (laughs) brilliant, that's brilliant. (laughs) Oh my God. Um, Here's a good one. 15th of October 2005, Tim Dowling. Uh, A lovely cast iron omelette pan. That's a classic oh. number there. Twenty-five pounds that he spent on that.
1: What radius is that? What diameter? Great
0: question. And this is the kind of detail we like to get into <laughs> on this show. Um, Twenty centimeters, matte small, black. small, small. Yeah, 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 yeah. Small. Yeah. I mean, it's, an om- it's a small omelette. It's a very uh,
1: small omelette. I still got that one though. An omelette for one, maybe. I don't yeah, know. I think so.
0: Not, not got great reviews actually. <laughs> too um, small well maybe Jerry uh, I bought this as a replacement for my 20 centimeter non-stick pan that I use for making pancakes but found that residue was building in the pan as I made the pancakes which meant the pancakes were not finishing as cleanly as I'm used to I also yeah. found the handle
1: a bit too welcome small welcome to cast iron mate welcome to right. the world of cast iron there I, you, you know. go
0: and the handle gets hot doesn't it <laughs> this is the problem it's a like- he had to discover all this for himself. Yeah, That's well, exactly. The point. Yeah, this is why we shouldn't have Amazon reviews. We need to make no. these mistakes organically in our lives. No. Um, someone else has given it one star. I've used this pan for fried eggs and omelets, both of which stick terribly to the surface, oh irrespective.
1: Did they not read the seasoning Did they not manual read. that came with it? Well, exactly. You've got to
0: season a pan. You've got, exactly. You've got to work a pan in before you start using it. Are you much of a cook? Because you've bought a few cookbooks around here, actually. You've got um got uh, Nigel Slater, The Kitchen Diaries here.
1: That's a very good book. Yeah, um, yeah. I am more now than, than I used to be My wife, at the sort of beginning of lockdown My wife just said, uh, I'm never cooking again, by the way <laughs> And she meant it And I sort of didn't take it very seriously I thought she meant you're cooking tonight, by the way But she she meant from now on And she right. does not go anywhere near it Is She's that, yeah,
0: she stuck, she stuck by it?
1: Yep, yeah, she buys the food She sometimes cleans up afterwards Mostly cleans up afterwards But she uh-huh. does not cook nothing so I've why, had to, why
0: does she suddenly do this?
1: she thinks I think she thinks it's boring, I mean she's probably right she's I suppose boring, I don't it's boring and she's not interested. she never has been interested, and she does not want to do it anymore. Wow, so wow. yeah, but i th- I've suddenly realized what that means because you know I used to be like the fun cook who mm-hmm. came in and made something quite show offy and made a huge mess and yes. bought, a, bought a new iron pan every time I needed one. <laughs> yeah, they were disposable. Yeah. The iron pan just <laughs> chuck it in the bin. Yeah. Residue, residue. <laughs> so uh, so I've, I see what she means. You know, it's an absolute grind having to do it again mm. and again and again. And you tend to sort of fall back on quite... Tried and tested recipes that nobody's that excited about
0: you do have a thing don't you where you have three or four things on a circuit yeah, three and you can you can fall into humdrumery very quickly especially during lockdown and i do i feel very lucky because my wife she, she says she, she loves she loves cooking she finds it therapeutic and she really enjoys doing it and uh, well, that's so, good well, I'm very lucky. Yeah, you're lucky because I mean, that it, can wear off. I know. <laughs> I'm I was just going to say
1: that might not last. I'll keep an eye out for that. Thank you. This is good. You're very good. <laughs> a good warning system for me. I'll keep an eye out for
0: that. Um, All right, let's skip on ahead. 2007. You have bought, a, and I love it when my guests buy music that I like. Not only do you like They Might Be Giants,
1: but you've bought the brilliant Herman Dunes <gasps> Giants. That's another one of those exact things. I, um, I, I don't know what I must have been like. The Guardian website or something, just or or maybe Pop Bitch or something like that, just pointing the way to that video. Yes, it was such a thing, and from then on, I became an absolute diehard fan. And then so did my kids. And then I took two of them to a festival, to, and Herman Dune was playing. And they oh. ran up to the front and went bananas. And the, like <laughs> that guy from Herman Dune, I'd never seen anything like it. In he came out. I don't think he expected to be recognized by anyone. You know, mm. it was mm. sort of afternoon set. Oh, at, that's uh, so great! And they were—they <laughs> knew all the words to everything they played, and were just stomping up and down. Just brilliant! I think that was such so a great brilliant. band. And that I'm was gonna... another long car journey thing. Yeah, yeah. So,
0: so you did festivals then with the kids. That's that feels like something that's only happened more more recently.
1: I did that once. Uh, okay, that, right. going to be a reason. That was the time, and it was a disaster. I mean, apart from Herman Dune, it was. I got we got there. Just as darkness fell and rain and the rain started, and there was no place <sighs> big enough to put up our tent. Oh God! Which it's festival? Like, uh, what's latitude? Okay, yeah, it's a good yeah. festival,
0: of course. Latitude, yeah, of course. But yeah. uh,
1: <laughs> but um, you know, because it's a family tent, it has the footprint of a bouncy castle. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. and uh, I put I put the pole through the fly sheet, and as I stood up, uh, I hurt my back. And I spent the rest of the festival basically lying on some grass, <laughs> moaning, with my children pulling me beyond, by the arms going, come on, come on, we're going to miss this. Oh. And, is... uh, I, you know, they, they did that thing where they made me pour out all my wine on the way in. You know, oh, I had to no, bring... oh, you mean the,
0: the, the bouncers did?
1: Yeah. And I, I, just, oh. I just thought, for me, I brought two nice bottles of red wine just oh, yeah. to sort of suck on. Luckily, <laughs> I'd had the sense to pour one of them into a water bottle yeah, and yeah. Uh, I just had <laughs> this kids so, if you're <laughs> listening great tips great tips yeah. <laughs> really gross warm bottle of of what of red wine that I just go back to my tent and suck on while I mean can you imagine the? Um, uh,
0: what I love about that is, if you go to somewhere like Glastonbury and you've got too much booze, it's people pouring away, you know, diamond white cider or something. Yeah. If you go to latitude, it was like, oh, but uh, this, uh, yeah, this this red wine's a chateau. Really, do I have to? <laughs> Not my pot. Uh,
1: I somehow imagine it was only going to just be me, but it was everyone. Oh, that's and, great. Uh, and the thing is, when you've got little kids, they're they're useless. You you don't mm. say, well, daddy's hurt his back, so you're gonna have to carry everything. They can't carry anything So they had to sort of Pile it on me Like a donkey Oh, Because once God. I was up Straight and upright It was fine So yeah. they just kind of st- Strung They slung it all over me Like a Christmas tree And I sort of Waddled back to the car <laughs> And the irony is It's the kids
0: That do you back in In the first place
1: Yeah absolutely They just watched me I remember them watching me Like I was A sort of Insufficiently diverting Cartoon <laughs> As I sort of Ripped the tent to shreds Hurt my back Swore And they just Kind of staring at me From a lump of nettles <laughs> Oh God! Oh, kids are just born to destroy us, aren't they? Yeah. That's what they do. That's what
0: they do. <laughs> That's what they do. In uh,
2: 2007, um,
0: you've bought uh, <laughs> November. You've bought the Giles Wearing Haters Club by Tim Oh yes, by Tim Dowling. very good book. And then in uh, December, you've bought the Giles Wearing Haters. Club club by tim down yeah and i gave both what?
1: of them four stars
0: oh, not even five for goodness <laughs> sake um, <laughs> i don't want to get caught and uh also in december suspicious packages and extendable arms by tim, tim Dalling. Dalling. So obviously christmas time is a great time for your friends and family is- to get some
1: tim <laughs> i still have those copies i can't give that stuff away again i was just testing the system yes to make sure it worked and uh i was really it was sort of amazing to have two books out in one year but one of those i think is a collection of stuff from the guardian right and i know it is i know exactly what's in it i know it's in yeah. both of them yeah <laughs> and the other one is a novel and uh, that was the same year i mean i just thought oh, you know you have really hit the big time and of course both those books tanked completely nobody bought them except me do you
0: do you want to write another one what's
1: what's the plan bookwise cuz when was your last book uh 2017 i want to say something like that
0: Okay. Okay. And it, what's the plan? Is there a new one on the way? There is. It's
1: there's a sort of vague I sort of write. I've got a project for when I don't have anything else to do, mm-hmm. which is another which is a novel. Uh but I sort of don't tell anyone about it because I don't want to set the clock ticking and I don't want someone to say. I don't want to show it to anyone yet as it were. I see. I Otherwise see. it becomes a thing where you have to start actually working on it.
0: Yeah. Oh, well, I'm just going to start relentlessly tweeting you asking about how the novel's going. <laughs> How's am it going? going? It's to not going that this, well, actually. This podcast is the starting pistol. <laughs> um, January 2008 now, Tim. How to talk about books you haven't read by Pierre Bayard. That feels... That feels good for me. Someone who's done an English yeah. degree, people I, always think. Unfortunately, I'm I didn't read that book either. No, so I that's don't know the, how the problem with the book. <laughs> you need a York Notes for that one. It's, it's an issue. It's an issue. Um, all right, good. Oh, look on. Look at this. 2009 now. West London Joint Railways. Oh,
1: good that Lord. Yeah. What's yeah. going
0: on here, please? Is
1: that a legitimate business expense or not? It's I mean... probably not. It's so that is another failed project, which uh, I thought I was going to write a novel uh, at that point, which would be heavily thematically centered on the lost rivers of London. Oh, specifically one called Counters Creek which no one's ever heard of because it was quite small and it's been lost for a, a long time. When when they're lost are they are they filled in or are they still flowing
0: underground somewhere?
1: Well, I can only speak for Counters Creek, but mm. I can tell you exactly it flows through a sewer pipe uh oh. about 100 or 200 metres north of where the old bed was.
0: That's so sad it's like it's like river prison.
1: Yeah, I mean if you know where the sort of chel- where Lots Road power station is Mhm. Uh on, in Chelsea. That's where it came out. Right. right. And otherwise it ran due north. Or right. it ran south as it were. Okay. Okay.
0: So that's uh that, I like the way this is becoming a litany of failed uh, projects. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm sorry about that.
1: No, no. Um, no. I, it's great it's great, it's a great listen. Everyone loves failure. <coughs> well, I'm here for you then. Yeah. Um yeah. yeah, so I think the West London Railway uh was built on top of part of it and you know, it's, sometimes that's the thing about Amazon. Is you think, do I need to go to the library and look at this book, or do I need to buy and own this book? And it's all mm. a question of price and time. It's like yeah, well, it
0: was, this was only three pounds fifty
1: nine. So obviously, by the time I get to the library, I've already spent more money than that. Oh yeah, good. See, good. Yeah, I mean, I don't know whether I still have that book, but
0: but great the ec- the economics of being a writer. Mm. Brilliant,
1: really. Can I afford to just own all this stuff and then yeah. throw it away later?
0: Did you um have that feeling when when lockdown kicked in, looking at your oyster card, and all the money you'd save by not travelling for eight quid a day on on London Underground? I feel like I've won the lottery.
1: Not me, not so much because I don't um I'm I've been preparing for lockdown for like twelve years okay, right, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I never go anywhere, and I wash my hands all the time anyway. Yeah, um, and, you, and you've got a trench. So I work in a shed in my back garden, and. Uh, it, it's always a terrible chore if I have to get on the tube and go somewhere So nice. I sort of I I What I noticed was that I was suddenly surrounded by people You know, everybody else used to go to work all day And mm. now I can hear In the summer you can hear Through the open windows Everybody at their sort of basically office in their house yes. Sitting at their kitchen table With their laptop open Talking really loudly on the phone to someone Well,
0: I mean, well, they're not a Zoom call They're a boom call Yeah,
1: yeah They're, they're th- really loud
0: I walked walking the dog the other day, walked past someone having a Zoom call in their front room with the window wide open,
1: just talking in corporate man (laughs) speech. I heard heard the exact same thing the other day, and the Uh, person who was on the computer was louder than the person who was in the room. (laughs) Maybe I saw the other end. Broadcasting, really shooting out. It was amazing. Yeah. Let's put that up the flag post. Yeah, okay. Because that person has no idea how far and wide their voice is being broadcast. They're just just sitting in their shed with no trousers on. (laughs) The world knows. Talking nonsense.
0: I have found it hard because, I like you, I spend a lot of time at home. You know, a podcaster's lot and a a presenter's lot is to spend a lot of time at home. And um, finding other people around, uh, I don't like sharing my airspace with them at all. My neighbours, I now know way too much Mm. You know, I know that the the new neighbour over the way at the back showers in the middle of the day and likes to have a sort of pre-shower naked walk, just to I don't know <laughs> why just to, to air dry. What to, what to, oh, it's a pre-shower thing? I, I mean, I know this much detail about him. Um, I find oh. it very hard. I don't like other people, but I but I live in London. It's a tricky one.
1: It is tricky. I mean, I do. You, I get embarrassed about how little I actually do in the day, mm. and uh, the whole the whole brilliant thing about working from home was that it was long, one big disgusting secret and nobody yes. had to know and now you just think you're I'm sort of ducking to make sure i'm low enough behind the hedge on my way out <laughs> you know what we're going to do now we're going to skip ahead to
0: 2010 um we have got lo- still loads more books here uh ugh, nigel p farage fighting bull is that actually a book uh, he's written or is that a mistake?
1: Well, that's a good question. I mean, I'm sure he, you know, it's his book. I don't know whether he had a ghost. Writer. I think he wrote it actually. Right. Um, and I'm pretty sure I read it. Actually, actually uh, read it? I read the whole thing, yeah. Because I, uh, in 2010, right? Is that what you said yep. 2010? Yeah. 2010? Yeah, in 2010, that was the election. And I followed him around for two days. Oh, wow. Uh, and it was fair. And for a long piece that never ran.
0: Oh, uh, why was that? Why did it never run?
1: Well, I never asked, but I mean, it was during the it was during the election. There was it was for the front of the paper, and there were lots of these articles swirling around. There were lots of people on the campaign trail filing things, and if you mm. sort of recall spring of two thousand and ten, that's when Nick Clegg was the sort of magic man. Mm-hmm. I agree with Nick. Yeah, the Lib Dems were a huge deal, and. Uh, and I just think that they thought that the whatever twenty five hundred words I'd expended on Nigel Farage wasn't worth it. He just wasn't that big a deal. He had no chance. He was standing oh. against the speaker. Oh yes, a, I remember that. in a that. race yes. where where he uh, uh, none of the other main parties stand, you know, to give him a clear run. So it was him and a guy dressed as a dolphin. Yeah, and yeah. and the dolphin beat him. I think. I mean, he 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 may have lost his deposit. I can't remember. Yes, I think he—he's certainly lost every time he's attempted to become an MP in this country. Also, he was in that plane crash right before the election. Yeah. So he was in hospital. I went. I went back and did write an article about the count. Right. So I, and I, I went to Aylesbury Civic Centre for the count, or whatever it's called, and uh, and he wasn't there because he was in hospital. Wow. Because that that flight was part of the build up to the election, was it? That was a. They were... It was. He got into a little tiny light aircraft with you know. Obviously, always, if you're going to trust any pilot, trust an amateur UKIP-supporting pilot. <laughs> They're sure to bring you
0: down safe. They don't need experts on things like how to fly a plane.
1: <laughs> so I don't think he'd gone very high, but I think he did get quite badly hurt. He did, no, I remember. It was quite yeah. the the image of him
0: walking away from the wreckage was That's awful. right, with blood on his face. Yeah. So,
1: so the two days following him around was odd, but, um, you know, I don't know. I guess, in hindsight, felt like a waste. I've... Any anecdote I can remember for it, I drag out whenever I, whenever I can, because I still want credit for spending all that time with him.
0: What what is the thing that stands out for you, your time with him? What what best sums him up? Then <laughs> um,
1: he he then as now he was had a knack for saying the same thing over and over and over. Again. Oh, and he kept saying, "We're going to light a bomb under British politics," oh. uh, and, and every every time they turned a camera on in front of him, he would say Ugh. it. And every time he shook someone's hand, he would say it. But when he wasn't, when he was away from all that, he had a sort of dry wit. Yeah, and he was quite friendly, and he was a little bit taken aback. I think he got a lot of stick on the doorstep because people felt it's a very sort of Tory, genteel sort of bit of the world, mm. and they felt that he'd been very rude to the leader of the EU Parliament at the time. You remember he called him a wet dish rag or something. Oh yes, yeah. And uh, and so they they had a lot to say to him. They were they they. Were, quite displeased with him and he sort of he i wouldn't say he was unruffled by it he sort of he took it on the chin but i think the cumulative effect of going from doorstep to doorstep and having people say i will never vote for you great I, your politics disgust me oh great did sort of get him down after a while. oh that's
0: lovely to hear oh, that's really <laughs> that's really warming the cockles well this is one of the great things one of the um uh, uh solace that i take from the likes of boris and farage it, yeah. it is they are populists. They want to. Boris is a turn. He wants to be popular and they want to be liked. They yeah. want to be liked, and he's not. The, you know, I live very near to where he used to live, and everyone around here thinks he's a massive fucking asshole. And yet, when he was mayor, we used to, I remember going past him playing tennis, and I was like, all right, all right, Mr. Mayor. You know, yeah, I loved right. it. He was a bit of a novelty, you know, middle of the ground, safe Tory. And now he's
1: yeah. loathed,
0: unsurprisingly.
1: Well, so. Populism really doesn't suit anyone when there's stuff actually going wrong does it no that's I mean, right it's,
0: it's not good with facts
1: the thing that freaks me out about those guys especially Nigel Farage. Nigel Farage is a year younger than me oh don't don't tell and me I just that. think how did you get like that I mean with the, those yeah. the clothes that you wear they weren't
0: available yeah in my
1: youth it's ridiculous isn't it it's it it's, makes it's you such right.
0: a it's, sort of it's a fancy dress costume isn't it
1: yeah exactly Rees-Mogg as well. Rees-Mogg's about 32. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I can't. I don't understand. I don't know. Where do you buy those things? It's just so depressing. I mean, you see those shops in country towns, don't you? That's what they do. They, they, and they think, yeah. but the windows are all sort of dusty, and you think no one goes in there.
0: Yeah, it's them. Just Reese mogg at the back, just buying some tweed, which is still yeah. damp from the 1830s. <laughs>
1: Beyond belief.
0: (laughs) Now I'm seeing the theme of music building up. Oh, look, Wilson Duke replica American football, 8 in November 2013. got that for um, Thanksgiving or...
1: Uh, Yeah, I mean, I think we would have gone to America for something and then they would have decided that they wanted to play football forever. Mm -hmm. And I would have said, okay, fine. And then that would have just sat behind a door somewhere. Classic, a classic family story, another heartwarming family story. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: But we see music coming along here Uh, the um, 2.5 strength reeds for the uh, B flat clarinet. Is that right? Yes.
1: Yeah. Yes. Pack of five Uh, reeds there um i bought uh I, I my amazon purchases are but a fraction of the rubbish i buy mm. off the internet and i found a secondhand clarinet for like 30 pounds yeah and i thought you know it's one of those things when you think when you're looking at it you think playing the clarinet how hard can it be mm. hard and it turns, turns out. out yeah it's really hard <laughs> um also, because it's secondhand, it has, you know, everything is damaged. So that was my sort of bid to kind of put it back together, get some new reeds. I think I got a, like a one of those cloths that you yes. ran through it it's to here. clean the gungo. I'm looking is at it.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's here. I, I can see that exact thing. You have bought um, a... Uh, where is it now? Hang on one sec. You've got a clarinet pull-through cleaning cloth. That looks like a satisfying yeah. bit
1: of clarinet admin. It's a cloth with a bit of string at one end, so you can hold the string falls through, and you can just pull it Aww. through. I mean, get, you know, there's- the clarinet is one of those instruments that has a lot of saliva involved, Ugh. like the trumpet or any of those things. And it's kind of you know the reed gets very soggy after a while. You think, and also it's it's exhausting. I would have to lie down after ten minutes. <laughs>
0: Why? Because of the blowing,
1: yeah, the blowing. Because the blowing is like you, you know, you're blowing, but you're also compressing the reed with your teeth and lips. God, um, yeah. To so let as little air through as possible, so that you get that clarinet sound. Oh, yeah. And and it's you know it's like one of those things you do to faint on purpose. I never ever thought about
0: lung fitness required. Oh, uh, yeah. i And I, also just stamina. I really pick up on the saliva thing. I am. Um, be honest, I'm not a fan of saliva. <laughs> and I've, I've had this problem since childhood I can remember doing someone tried to get me into the trumpet as a kid and before they handed it over to me they poured the saliva of some other kids uh, out of the shared trumpet and I was like yeah. huh? here you go <laughs> I am out I am out for life <laughs>
1: i think it would be the thing is if you gave someone a new trumpet it would it would be weeks before you had to tell them about the spit that has to be emptied out of it yeah just just to do it in front of them first time right in front of me like a torture look at this no
0: saliva yeah
1: it's well (laughs) i can't recommend the clarinet then either I just realised
0: my least favourite word in the English language is saliva. <laughs> saliva. I'm thrilled with that.
1: <laughs> right, okay, I won't take up the
0: clarinet. Good. All right, come on, we are going to rush through because we're running out of time. There's so okay. many things that I want to talk about here, um, Tim. And what I'm going to do, in fact, I'm just going to have a sort of speed run, okay? Okay. I'm just, I'm, you're just going to have to give me some quick kind of, you know, like almost... Almost non-verbal responses to these, even maybe even <coughs> noises. Um, July okay. twenty. Don't no, actually do that. Um, July twenty fifteen. <laughs> you've bought the Vango inflatable camping sofa, so you're into your camping then.
1: Uh, I it's it's partly a festival thing. It's got, playing at festivals. Mm. A lot of them you have to camp if you're if you're playing twice or if you're playing you know at night you can't get home. So yes, and I'm very into that kind of blow up camping furniture, but they are as they're effectively disposable. Right, okay. A uh, right, blow up right. camping sofa lasts one camping trip.
0: Much like an omelette pan. You yeah. You just, yeah, they, they get too much stuff sticking to them and then they've got to be <laughs> binned off. We, actually, that's something we, we meant to talk about because um, I can see here as well, the contemporary banjo player. Tell us about yes. how music has, has has come into your life by this point and what you're up
1: to. I think it was 2007 or eight that I bought. my wife bought me a banjo for my birthday mm-hmm. and I, I struggled with it very much for a while. Man versus banjo, really, and i've i was sort of getting just getting to grips with it when a friend of mine who'd been in bands all through his youth uh had started playing with friends of his again right i went to see them and in that way that you think i'm doing such a giant fucking favor to come <laughs> to see your band <laughs> what a good friend i am yeah yeah and yeah, yeah. uh by the end of the gig i was like i have to get in on this wow and uh they were so they were really good and it was sort of everybody else on the bill was a sort of uh, male singer-songwriter with an acoustic guitar. Mm, mm. And they just had this kind of three-part harmony worked out and and arrangements for instruments and I was like this sounds really cool and I can do this. They don't know what a banjo is supposed to sound like. But did you have any so experience with the banjo? <laughs> uh, I I by that point I'd been playing it, you know, for about a year using internet lessons, but um not really, no, no past experience with the banjo. Wow! But so, hang on, or uh, any guitar experience? Are you yeah, are we... guitar, I can play guitar a bit, but uh, I've never taken the guitar as seriously as I then set about trying I'm, to learn the banjo. I'm
0: feeling, I wasn't expecting this, Tim. I'm feeling slightly inspired by this. You, <laughs> oh, yeah, well, you know, you've 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 gone from zero to in a band, going around festivals doing gigs. This is quite significant. Festivals,
1: yeah. I mean, last. Whenever our our year off has turned into two years Thanks to coronavirus Mm -hmm. But the last gig we played We played the Shepherds Bush Empire Holy Uh, Where I saw They might be giants I was through They had our name on the marquee And everything It was amazing Look you've gone full circle You can go back there You can get in the VIP room And not have to talk about Lead in paint I, I went We had an after party they oh. charge you for that, by the way. <laughs> uh,
0: That's yeah. great. That's great. I
1: um, had an after party. My wife lost all the tickets for everyone, so I had to go kind of to hunt around and get more.
0: Just let everyone in. Go let me in. It's It's my, it's
1: my thing. And then we see the
0: pro here. Look, you can tell you in, you're a performer. Vocal Zone throat pastels, the finest. Um, if you have a sore throat, even if you're not a performer, Vocal Zone are the best things you can possibly have. Yes. in. I think it was
1: my just my turn, because everybody in the dressing room kind of they Sort of remember when you keep borrowing one off them, you know. Mm, mm. So I thought I'll get a big pack, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Well, there we go. And you are performing now, still buying loads of books as well. Um, we have got what else have we got here? Oh, look, come on! Um, a uh, storm lantern, a mm-hmm. kerosene lamp that's nice, 30 pounds, very nice for camping or
1: just for having. You know that thing when you, um, I don't know, we moved house about three years ago. Uh-huh. And a bunch of my stuff went mysteriously missing. Your wife threw it away, didn't she? My wife just threw it yeah. away. <laughs> and a few, I put my foot down. I said, right, everything, there are certain things I said, I'm simply going to replace that at whatever it costs. Right. And, and one of those was that kerosene lamp and many, many, because she threw out all the wicks as well. Right. Extra wicks. you got to have extra <laughs> wicks. But, but where, do, where does the lamp go on the boat that you live well, on? It does. It it's it's it sits on our sort of picnic table out on the sort of patio and never gets used for anything ever. Mm-hmm. But it's there. Mm-hmm. I've that's still got it. That's the point for a lot of Amazon
0: purchasing, though, isn't it? I get it. It sits there. It's not used. But the point is, it's yeah. there.
1: Well, it's a sort of impulse fury sometimes, isn't it? As well. Right. I'm just going to go out to my shed and I'm just going to buy another one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get it out there. and am to get it? It's going to arrive really soon. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and no one's going to benefit from it, apart no, from me, <laughs> knowing it's there, Including me. Um, oh, uh, P.G. Woodhouse, right ho, Jeeves. I mean, P.G. Woodhouse, come on. Yeah, that's book club. Okay, nice. So i and muscled in on my wife's book club. Now, here's the thing. I didn't realise book clubs are often just women only. My wife's in yeah. one and there's no men. And I was like, oh, I'd like to do that. And it's not allowed. It's almost as if men are a bit gobby and talk too much.
1: Yeah, well, that's that was the general feeling when I... But it was the first one, the inaugural one, was at our house. And I was like, where am I supposed to go? <laughs> and I said, what are we going to eat? She said, well, we're not eating. We're having a book club. You fend for yourself. Right. So I sat in the other room until my wine glass was empty. And I thought, I need more wine. Yeah. And I went in there and I never left.
0: And did you sort of casually walk past and drop in an opinion on the book? Yeah, I did.
1: Well, the other <laughs> thing was I'd read the book. I like, You're is, the only which one, inevitably. Which was, far and away that's a real try hard thing to do in book club is just i actually read the book yeah it's not a requirement so how do you i mean i'm sorry to go on about the book club but i because I, I would
0: i'd like to be in a book club how do you uh, find them and uh, is it not just my my wife's one is basically a tour of people's kitchens often looking at side returns never reading the book or well, they get onto the book at about 11
1: yeah uh, and then well, that's it this is like that, pretty much. Okay. I mean, my wife has two book clubs. One is a more serious book club, but she, I think she got into a conversation with some friends who'd never been in a book club. And she said, well, I'll just start one. You can all come to that. Oh. And she started one because she knows how book clubs work. That was the whole idea. And it's, it is really it's more about what are we having than what have we read? Yes, I see. It's like, shall exactly. I do baked potatoes? Should we do this? You know, And then it gets very involved.
0: You, you see, the book should be Nigel Slater's cookbook that you bought. Yeah. That would be much more sensible. <laughs> cookbook Club there is go. a good idea. That should happen. Um, uh, £120 on an Eco Barrow. This is in February 2019. That's, a, that's an expensive oh, yeah. wheelbarrow
1: there. It's a really good wheelbarrow. But I remember I had to have a discussion with the president of the company because it just it simply never arrived. You spoke to, hang on, you have spoken to the president of Eco Barrow. Yeah, did they, did someone say putting you through to Mr. President? I remember him telling me what went wrong. Anyway, that's another story, but we won't go into that. I could, I, I was like, please, I want to hear this. Yeah, 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 I need this in my. Comment. I guess what what do you do? I complained on Amazon because it never showed up, mm. uh, and and the next thing I knew, I got an email from him, and he included a number and said, please call me. So I rang him, and wow. he was fear, you know, he was furious, and he said, don't worry, I'm sending you another one. Wow. Uh, and it's it's very, I mean. That's not the only reason I recommend the Echo Barrow to everyone. Right. right. But uh, it's a very good, it's made of recycled material.
0: Okay. Well, right, that's nice to know. One hundred and twenty pounds mm. wheelbarrow, good, good. Are you much of a very gardener? Very sturdy. Or?
1: We are, uh, yeah. I mean, we are now. I mean, when I say we, I, my wife and I handle very separate parts of the garden, so as not to tread on each other's mm-hmm. sort of territory. Mm-hmm. I see. So um, I sort of do is yours just vegetables. A bit of lawn. Oh, yours is the vegetables. Okay, right. And right. lawn. I do lawn and vegetables, and then she does virtually everything else. Okay.
0: Um look at this and now right here's what we're gonna do now Tim okay uh, and this is the reason this is the reason you ended up falling into this trap and ending up on my podcast <laughs> is because you wrote a brilliant column about how much stuff you've been buying during lockdown. Okay. Okay. And it's, okay. Uh, and the, the random nature of things. And and sure enough, these are all these are all absolute classics. I mean, twenty seventh of June, twenty twenty, the Westmark Cherry Stoner, a silver cherry stoner. If yeah, ever Amazon was invented for a brilliant uh, brilliant product, is this?
1: I agree, and I can't I can't really describe the number of hours I spent looking at different cherry stoners before I settled <laughs> on that one. Because you Browsing can spend a, cherry stoners. You can spend a lot of money on it, and you can find ones that do six cherries at once. No, there's one that bolts to the table and has a hopper, so it continuously stones cherries as you turn a crank. Wow! Which I was very interested in, but was like 37 pounds or something, Mm. and I didn't want that. You know, when things come through the door and your wife says, "What is that?" (laughs) (laughs) It's a 40 pound cherry stoner. (laughs) And your your (laughs) point being,
0: (laughs) you don't even like cherries. That's not the point. So to describe it, it sort of looks like a stapler almost. Yeah. It's like um, a spoon with a hole in it. Yes. And then there's and then, a kind of cross bit of metal coming down from the top of the stapler.
1: Yeah. It's like an opposing sort of hippo's tooth that yes. comes down on the on the thing. And it yeah. works really, and it's, it just feels like one of those things you almost want to search through your drawers because you think you might have your mother's old one or something. Yeah. And uh, I didn't, so I thought, I, you know... Here's something I can pass on to my children.
0: Well, also, why you know why this pleases me and see above olives? Uh is because th- there's a lot less saliva involved now. Yeah. You see, you haven't got the misery <laughs> too- of watching someone thought <laughs> this it. Around. Oh and then they and they same with olive stones, when they put the, there's a bowl, there's a sort of olive stone or, or cherry stone bin on the table. So what I'm now while I'm eating cherries, I'm gonna look at your ex cherry mush in front and of me.
1: The beauty oh. of it is the cherry stoner does olives it as does. well.
0: Of course it does, olives. Of course, of course it does, it's olives. The same. Yeah. Right,
1: I'm I'm totally
0: going to share that at ToasterPod on Twitter. That has the world has to know more about this. <laughs>
1: I hope I don't know. I hope they have a huge supply of those. At well, the, there's about to be a serious rush on. Where a serious else in rush. China, where they're all stored. Um,
0: you've bought what else? Have you bought you bought a football. Uh, yeah. size five, classic. How are the keepy uppies going? Are your kids still better than you? Uh,
1: uh they 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 were totally adapted to a sort of flat donut shaped football over lockdown so when i bought right. them that they found that very very bouncy now because the other one the dog had put a tooth through it um they, right. they were playing it was very hard to watch so i broke down and bought them another one <laughs> and situ- they they've kicked over all kinds of expensive plants
0: yeah that's true it's not good for the vegetable garden
1: very annoying um
0: the eighth uh, of May, a, a multifunction pull-out kitchen faucet spray head replacement part. I mean, this is the kind of I love this. This yeah. is uh, Amazon at its best, really.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, it's I'm not I don't collect stuff like that. It was broken. The old one was broken, and I spent. You know how long it takes to find. The exact one. Mm. But uh, I found it. It fits good. And this is the thing. Here we go. Look, I'm going to end on the very item
0: that you pretty much begin the, uh, the piece on in The Guardian a couple of weeks ago, which is the plywood sheet, a wooden board with a, a hole cut to size. Right. Yeah. And, th- and when you describe this in your, in your article, I hadn't realized that this piece of wood, which is very underwhelming in the article, uh, cost £54.90. Yes. That's expensive wood.
1: Yes. I dithered for a long time because of that. But that's, lockdown works its magic on you, doesn't it? But what I mean, that's an eighties. It's uh, my, one of my lockdown projects, which I have to admit is still far from complete, was a sort of mosaic tabletop made from broken china that I picked up in the park over many years while I was walking the dog. Oh. Two, I have two big tins of it that I sit, which turns out to be nowhere near enough. But yeah. I needed... I had some table legs, old Victorian table legs, but I needed a top. And in fact, plywood is not, you want a plywood base. And then on top of that, you want sort of cement shower curtain, shower wall. Right. I think it's called cement backer board. Yeah. Uh, and you glue those two together. But the plywood, the miracle of the plywood is that it's a company that will, they'll do you a circle of plywood any diameter you ask for.
0: I know. I mean, I know about this. The shares in that company are going through the roof after your it's, article.
1: <laughs> it's <laughs> it's they, a miracle. They do what? They cut it's wood a into a circle, <laughs> darling. Any diameter. Invest. Take the shares out of Apple, quickly. And the amazing thing is they send you the bit of wood they cut it out of as well.
0: I know. That's It's absolutely brilliant. My wife had a similar thing. She made a, um, uh, a mosaic tile table uh about 10 11 years ago and she she still calls it her therapy table now mm. um because it, it kept her sane i think
1: well this one's driven me insane
0: it has <laughs> right, gone the other direction <laughs> well listen i'll leave you to get back to your therapy table um tim dowling thank you for letting us uh well basically letting me go through your amazon bins it's been an absolute joy
1: it turned um, out to be a pleasure <laughs> <laughs>
0: i was terrified yeah well, you shouldn't have been it was really good fun I know. um tim thank you so much what a pleasure to sort of meet you and um, uh, yeah good luck with the table please do tweet a picture of the table when it's finished if you could I will do good oh thank you so much Tim I'm a really big fan of yours um, I'm, I'm, ple- I'm pleased to do <laughs> thanks a lot cheers all right, mate Tom. bye now bye bye <laughs> the fantastic tim dowling i hope you enjoyed that as much as i did it's so nice when uh, you're a fan of someone and i've been a real fanboy of tim dowling's for years he writes such funny pithy uh, minimal columns every saturday in the guardian it's, it says something when people don't use many words but you get you get everything about their world and their life and you get the humor and the connections he's a brilliant writer brilliant observer um i mean it's not in the observer it's in the guardian shut up Tom Uh, thanks for listening team I'll be back next week if you like this show and please give us a review you know where to do that and uh, yeah I'll see you soon bye bye
1: Steel. and i'm helen monk and this is Bitchin'. i'm dyslexic yeah why do you read the page? <laughs> <laughs> it's good to practice a podcast where every week we talk about a different person so how old was he when he first popped on the scene that's a great if question. you say he was my age i'm gonna <laughs> fucking die and we veer wildly off track pop that per sec <laughs> available on all your podcast apps <laughs> that's not right uh just <laughs> can you not say "er" your... uh in the advert <laughs> available on all your podcast platforms just search Bitchin or great big owl we'll see you there
0: that was all right <laughs> hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter